This episode of Beers Beats Bailey is brought to you by Island Beer Chillin' Grill. Island Beer Chillin' Grill, established 2015. This place is pretty awesome. You should go. I totally recommend it. You could just go for a beer. It's right on the IMAX. Um, go for a beer before or after. And you could, uh, you know, get some food, chill with some friends, you know. That's Island Beer Chillin' Grill. So you could chill and grill. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gents, to the very first episode, podcast, whatever, of uh, Bears, Beats, and Baileys. Uh, here we talk about movies, music, games, anime, and just basically anything that, that interests us. Uh, my name is Matthew Bailey. Alongside me is Ricardo Medina. Yeah, hello, everyone. Uh, Ricardo Medina here. I'm just uh, helping out Matthew with this little podcast. We don't know what this is right now. Uh, we just, yes, it's an experiment right now. We're just trying stuff out. Uh, we are on the IMAX right now. Uh, it's awesome. Uh, yesterday we went to see a couple of films. We saw Terminator uh, Genesis, latest Terminator film. Uh, last week we saw, uh, what we saw? Inside Out. Inside Out, the latest film by Pixar, yeah. Pretty damn good, but we, yeah, we'll talk about it a little later in the show. We also have Michael Richards with us, um, head of the, uh, no, former head, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, hello. Um, I'm Michael Richards, the current vice president of the Trinidad and Tobago Animation Network. I'm also the CEO and creative director of Fast Track VFX Limited, um, which is a, a visual effects company based in Trinidad. Um, and I've been also a, f- a filmmaker, uh, one of the members of the team that did the Santana movie. So I have a little background in that as well, as well as gaming, because I used to be a professional gamer as well. So I think I kind of fit in well in terms of all the topics we, we tend to cover. Yeah, big big gaming fan here as well. So hopefully we'll talk about that as well. Uh, yeah, uh, on again off again gamer. I'm sorry, it's just uh, you know time and stuff. But you know I'm, I'm getting back there. I'm trying to get back into that whole gaming vibe. But anyway, all right. So first we're gonna talk about uh, Inside Out, which I've seen last week along with Ricardo. Um, I'll let Ricardo more or less give you like a brief rundown as to what the film is about. Then he'll express his views on the film, his, what he liked, what he kind of didn't like. Well, although it's not that much any well probably non-existent and then he'll pass it on to me and then i'll give my point of view and then after that we'll get on to the review that you guys have been waiting for to me to genesis yeah so uh inside out uh, uh, just a quick history for me pixar has been really slipping in the last couple of years um they you know we had they did sequels to films and one of the big strengths about their, their storytelling is that they didn't need sequels you know, that's the thing. You know, they, 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 you know, and they've been hitting it out of the park from since pretty much the first Toy Story. You know, every time something come out, boom, great, boom, great, boom, great. And for me, they really started hitting the stride. And in, in their, in their overall, my favorite, favorite of their films is the, the, the Incredibles. This came out roughly 10 years ago. In my opinion, that film is fantastic. And then they just started hitting, boom, started doing stuff, stuff. And then after Wally, that is when things started getting a little shaky yeah, for me. No, no, but, okay, I, what I would argue is that Toy Story 3 is so repetitive from uh, Toy Story 2. It's almost identical films. And I, I actually think Toy Story 3 is pretty weak in that context, frankly. However, 
what happened with, with Pixar is you could tell, and it, you, if, you, if you look back, you could find a little, little history of Pixar where they talk about how they, when they used to plan out the films, when they used to, you know, they used to sit down in bars and stuff like that when, when they, in the early days. And basically, like, the last of their planning, in my opinion, was uh, uh, Wally, right? Everything after that was kind of like an afterthought, in my opinion. And then Up came out, and Up was good, but you could tell, for me, Up was, like, a very, I, it was a divisive film for me, frankly. Uh, you know, up was it? Yeah, everybody consider up like this. Everybody's only remember the first ten minutes or fifteen minutes are up, because of this really, really emotional sequence, this montage involving the old man and whatnot. That could have just been a short, you know. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with you on that point. Um, uh, well, in terms of up, the the entire film to me has its emotional beats, right? The entire thing is not going to be as emotional as the intro, obviously. But overall, I think the overall story is very emotional. Um, and in terms of what you were talking about um, with Pixar in general, one of the things that, you know, I, I believe it, I don't know if it's necessarily true, but there's the universal Pixar theory that says all the Pixar films actually belong to the same story in the same universe, right? And if you look at it from that point of view, right, you, you tend to see each film as a stepping stone in telling the overall story and not necessarily a film in itself. So when they do sequels and stuff like that, I don't necessarily expect it to be terribly original, but I intended to expand on the story that we know. Right? So when you look at it from that point of view, I could see the value in each of the films, even though they may not have been all outstanding as some of the earlier films. Yeah, no, well... The thing is, yeah, I don't take the Universal Pixar theory too seriously. I mean, I know there's a lot of Easter eggs in Pixar films, you know, A113, um, Pizza Planet... You know, all these little jokes. And then they constantly reference other earlier stuff, uh, other earlier movies. You'll probably find, uh, you know, Woody in the background somewhere or something like that. But again, for me, just the quality of the films with, with Up, it was a divisive kind of film for me. In the terms, I didn't like the villain. Um, the character motion and emotive didn't work. It had a lot of cool things in it, but it didn't appeal to me that much. It worked in the sense that, well, the, the old man had to let go. The house and whatnot. Great. Then they did what? What was after that? I think Cars 2, or what was after that? I don't remember exactly what was after, but I know there was, uh, there was Brave. Um, right, for me, Brave was a huge disappointment. Okay. Didn't like Brave. It, it, no story, didn't go anywhere for me. It didn't make any sense. It, it had potential. They just didn't do anything with it. Then they did, well, the sequels are Cars. Cars, cars is, a, is an anomaly, and you, I get why Cars exists, because John Lasseter is a big fan of Cars. He does love Cars. So I totally get why it exists. And then, of course, Marketing. You could sell all the toys, money to make, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and, and then it was uh, Monsters University. Right, they, right. They did the prequel to Monsters University, which I have not seen yet, and I heard is one of the most weakest of the films. I've actually seen it, and I don't think it's that bad. Right, but compared to the original Monsters Inc., what? Well, of course, it's not going to match up to the original. Very few sequels ever match up to the original, with the exception of probably Terminator, right? Other than that, you don't necessarily go into a sequel expecting it to surpass the original. No, but that, that's the thing. Uh, the, the whole point of Pixar is that they keep things at a certain higher quality. One of the reasons, again, again because sequels tend to be, you know, almost entirely disastrous, uh, you avoid it. You tell a good story, you, you tell your story, you end your story. We, we're happy with that. The one of the story, the, uh, well, in the case of, uh, say, um, Wally, you don't need a sequel to that. Tell a great ending, you get a sense of where the humans would be going in the future in terms of coming back to Earth, all of that. Anyway, let us get the inside out about this. Yeah. Inside the quality, big digression, but the point is to build up what it is uh, my big disappointment with Pixar so far. Because, especially in, in the light that Disney Animation Studio has been doing such a great job, 
um, with their stuff. I, I love Brave. I'm sorry, not Brave. I love um, no, no, uh, the Rapunzel film. Tangled. Tangled. Right, the Disney animation stuff. You again, yeah, it, it loved Tangled, loved um, Frozen. Uh, yeah, Frozen. Right, uh, Wreck and Ralph, Ralph. Yeah, good films. And and then I was like, well, what if Disney animation studios? What happened? All the talent went. What you know? You're not sure what's going on there. Then they come onto this Inside Out, and my gosh, Pixar is back. I really, really love this film. This movie was fantastic for me. The movie, it okay. So it's an interesting film in the sense that. Every time you're dealing with stuff, dealing with science in this base, in this way, because it's a very neuroscientific film in the sense of this is how emotions work. We live in an age where it's not a poetic approach to how the mind works, right? But it did that. They did a good job of, of illustrating uh, how the mind in this little girl works, right? Simple thing of her, it's just basically her shaking up in her life, a big shake up. She's, she's becoming a, a teenager. She's entering puberty. The character's roughly 11, 12 or so. And... The whole idea is that she is basically getting to see um, an approach of, say, the emotions within her mind. So it, these, these little homunculi, you know, in her mind, just operating. One of them is operators joy, sadness, um, disgust, uh, anger, played by Lewis Bach, which is perfectly casted, by the way. Perfect voice acting. Voice acting is fa- fantastic. Uh, Amy Poehler's um, the voice for voice for, for joy. Yeah. And, Again, I really enjoyed this one because it paced that so well. And then they, they had a lot of... It's a very smart film. Now, the director of this film, he did... What was his last one? I think Up. This is... Um, yeah. Pete Doctor. Pete Doctor is... He also did, I think, Monsters, Inc. If I remember correctly. I'd, I'd, I'd probably look it up online. Right. And Pete Doctor, in my opinion, is, is kind of a genius. Because the thing with good, good art, especially with, when you're dealing with material like this, especially when you're dealing with scientific material, is that you have to appeal on a quote-unquote intuitive level, a non-scientific level. I'm not supposed to think about, well, this is the anticipable cortex or whatever it is. Yeah. You're not supposed to think about that. You're supposed to be, all right, this is emotional. It's eternal. It's a thing. And, and you get that this girl is going through this. You don't want any, any, any details. Yeah, yeah, you don't need. But at the same time, at the same time, it did feed into a lot of great scientific stuff, which I appreciated a lot. So they had like this whole section in, um, called Abstract Thought, which was awesome and hilarious. Oh, by the way, Quick side note, the little workers that working in the mind of the uh, of her, of the girl, um, she, they were better than the minions from Despicable Me by far. Way funnier. Yeah, way funnier. Um, they just had this, this dry, yeah, this dry, unemotional wit about them. Totally stoic. It's like, yeah, we just workers, we just, you know, engineers, just operating, just technicians. Just have, all right, memories, all right, throw it out. Like, no emotional weight to it, anything like that. Um, and they were the funniest thing. They, they had some really clever stuff in terms of, like, what they do, um, in terms of how dream, dream operation, and then that interpretation of that. Yeah. So, you could, A, you could appreciate it on somewhat of a scientific level in that sense. Because, in my opinion, that's how, I, that's how it felt to me. Um, again, it had a, a bunch of fallacies, like um, the homalkali fallacies, how, how come emotions have emotions. But then, it built into the whole narrative of this is just a driving force in the mind. Yeah. And you could do a good job with that. Again, it's not meant to be absolutely scientifically accurate. That's not the point. It's just about pacing it and getting a good sense of how what works, right? And that's it. Doesn't it? Doesn't it's not? But it's not blatantly ridiculous because it, you get a good sense of development in the character. And then they did they did the idea of what an internal crisis of the mind would be, be like. She's a little girl. I don't want to spoil anything of what occurs, but basically, it's 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 something that a, a, a person at that age doing is a very big deal for them, yeah. right? She she does through the, the stress and trauma of her life. 
through the stress and internal um, problems in life, she will, um, you know, have this issue. And again, I give this film, just to go to a quick rating, right, give this film an IMAX. You spend your money, go IMAX to see it. It is very, very good. You spend your money. It is very well done. Pixar is back. Not since, I'll say I didn't enjoy this since probably Ratatouille, right? Ratatouille is one of my favorite Pixar films. Again, it's one of those films that, when we talk about Ratatouille, where, you know, it was normal until the, the last 10 minutes of Ratatouille. Oh. If anybody, like Peter O'Toole's, anybody remember Peter O'Toole's very awesome speech and then the pacing of that, that is why Ratatouille gets a near perfect score for me. Um, same thing. This one was really well done. It paced itself well. It did a lot of great foreshadowing. It was really smart. They had like great jokes for adults. Um, little, kind of rude, risky jokes as well. Like in the beginning, they had a joke about a bear in San Francisco. If anybody gets that, you have to be an adult to get it. It's, it's, I was like, wow, they did this. But it's smart. Um, they did stuff like uh, they made a China Tongue reference. Yeah, like just hilarious. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and they did a reference. They made a China Tongue reference. They did this stuff with abstract thought, and then they made a reference to cubism. So, like, when the characters, were, yeah, we'll see the section. And it's like, wow, they did actually, you know, spend a lot of time understanding art history, understanding, you know, art theory, these kind of things. So, so how the mind is working internally, you know, and that's it. So, I totally recommend Inside Out. I had a lot of fun with it. Not since Ratatouille, I enjoyed. I enjoyed Wally, but I don't enjoy it as much as say Ratatouille. Not since Ratatouille, I enjoyed Inside Out. So, people, I totally recommend going see Inside Out. It is worth your money. Go see this film. It's fantastic. One of the best films of the year. All right. Um, I, I totally agree with him. It is hands down one of the best movies I've seen this year. Um, I loved it for the animation. I loved it for the, the characters, the story, which, honestly, I went into it. I wasn't even sure what to expect, so... Like so, so for me, I I avoided trailers. I really didn't want to know much about it. So going into it, I was like, okay, this is just emotions inside this little girl's head. But all right, let's see where the story goes. And then you know, it takes this really emotional stance on how this girl feels um, due to the situation that she goes through in the film. And you know, like I couldn't help but relate to it as well too. I mean. It's not like I went through the same thing as she went through, but, you know, when you get old and, you know, um, certain things that appeal to you, certain things that you loved, you know, growing up, you either forget about it or they just don't have that much emotional resonance to you, you know? Well, you feel things, like, especially when it comes to family, they stick with you, but eventually as you do become older, they become, you know, less important. Um, and that really slow to me, you know? It's really like how life is, you know? You get older, any things that you really want to hold on to, eventually you just kind of grow out of it, you know. And I liked how they how they presented it in the film, you know. I, 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 I like honestly, a lot of people, a lot of reviewers will say that they they, they got a little teary eyed. Well, <laughs> I, I normally don't cry at movies, but I got a little, little incy wincy little teary eyed. But I related to that to that a lot, you know. Um, but I would agree at the end of the day, uh, yeah, um, solid movie. Probably one of the most original movies I've seen in a long while. Uh, characters were, were great. The levels that they went to from, you know, emotional, technical, um, story-wise, everything was just on point. And, yeah, I well, for me, I would give it a four and a half stars. Definitely see this movie. Um, I would agree with, with Ricardo, you know, see it in IMAX, see it wherever, but, you know, just see it as soon as, because it's really one of the best. Yeah, no, this emotionally direct me, yeah? Like, holy crap. I know, here's the thing. I, sorry to say, Audrey, I have a kind of bit of a sociopath side to me. I just almost never cry when you have a fictional, fictitious cry. If I, when I read the news and I see some story, and that's sad, I'll cry about that because it's a real person. But this was, it was there. It was getting there because they did some, it had some moments. 
Really well done. I would argue, again, not a perfect film, but it had a little, little pace in the here there with respect to the emotions and whatnot. But it worked. Um, still. Still one of the better ones. I mean, I really, really hope Pixar does a second stride for Pixar and they just keep up ramping up everything. But I, I was excited for this one. Um, I was like, all right, Pixar, come on back with an interesting premise. Interesting concept. You know, it's one, of, again, as, as Matthew put it, it's one of the more original premises. It's, it's something you don't see. We've seen it many times before in many fiction. The idea of, you know, the remote control in your brain, that stuff. Um, but they did a good job of, again, representing a lot of things like that. Again, it had a, a nice little sequence at the end where the, well, you know, the, con, the console is going gray. And I, th- I thought that was a, rep- a really good representation of, uh, say, apathy, for example, or something like that. And, you know, a, a lesser filmmaker would have made apathy an actual emotion to talk about, or they'd have a villain in it. The film didn't have that, you know. It's just, this girl is going through some, some bad times in her life, and it is, it's represented in a certain way. The world was a character on its own. So you got a representation of the world breaking down. Um, the pit itself, they had this, this pit in the storyline. Also, on a slight spoiler about what it is, but it, it, that was a good, that was a character on its own. It wasn't a, a, a manifested, personified villain like the main characters, Joy and Sadness, and these characters were. That worked. That worked very well with this film. Um, it was a, that's one of the reasons why I, I really liked this film, because it, was, it just decided to go a little step above. You know, Pete, and then because it had all these little small references and jokes, you could tell a lot of care went into this. They really, really took their time with this one. Um, yeah, uh, Michael, do you want to say anything? Um, well... Yeah, I, I haven't seen it, and um, for me, most Pixar films lately, um, I tend to usually watch them at home rather than going out to the cinema. So you say, like, see it in IMAX, but there's a reason it's not showing in IMAX, right? It's, it's not geared towards the general audience, right? And nothing is wrong with that, right? Because if I'm watching a Pixar film, which are usually family films, I tend to want to be in the comfort of my home with my kids watching the film, right? Um, so I probably will still see it, you know, but I'll see it at home as opposed to going out to cinemas and seeing it. The other thing, um, you mentioned the director. He, did, um, he was the one who wrote the story for Wally. Um, he worked on Toy Story, Monsters, Inc. Up. He's currently um, in production, pre-production on Toy Story 4. And I know you hate sequels because Toy Story 3 was successful and it made money. And at the end of the day, we need to understand it in the context of the business as well. Right, But I'm just saying, in as much as you, you have seen the progression of this director over a number of films, then it's hopeful to see what will come in Toy Story 4. Right? So, again, I'm going to be a bit cynical about Toy Story as a franchise. Toy Story is entirely dependent on the nostalgia of the first film. I am sorry. The, especially to, no, the second film I really liked. It was solid. It was a good sequel. It made sense in terms of the progression of, uh, especially the Woody character. We could focus on Woody and him as a, as a quote-unquote retro character and that whole aspect and that whole world around that. But the third film was really a repeat of the, the second film. And I had a serious problem with that. And it, it, the people who just keep touting Pixar as the best thing, and I, I, you know, I use the word circle jerk, um, you know, dick rided, you know, that stuff. No, it's adults. It's not kids. It's, it's people who, and it's people who just had a memory. They look, they were 20 years younger when the first um, Toy Story came out, and they, or 15 years ago, whatever it is, and they were that age, and Toy Story 3 was just, well, we're moving on and getting older. And I'm sorry, it, Toy Story, unlike inside, no, here's the thing, again, I could, you could probably, could, people could call me out for a hypocrite here. But to me, Toy Story really feels like it just pushes emotional buttons in a cynical way. Whilst Inside Out was, came, of course, more genuine, in my opinion. Now, it's quite possible it's my bias. I'm sure of that. However, um, it, Inside Out just felt like it had more care to it. It, get, it, get, it, get, it gave a better sense of illusion, whilst uh, 
Toy Story didn't do that for me. Now, I just, I'm not a huge, huge fan of the original Toy Story. Toy Story for me was impressive just from a technical standpoint. It's like, whoa, this is a 3D cartoon. They, you know, they're doing this so impressive. When I was a kid, that was kind of mind-blowing when you think about it. Right? It had nothing like that when it came out. You could totally understand why it is as popular as it is. Um, but then they started really like ramping up the stories. And even though I'm not the biggest fan of um, Finding Nemo, again, quite impressive. I was kind of imp- really impressed by that. The one, again, the, the film that pulled me in totally was The Incredibles. That was the one. Again, it totally catered to my superhero bias. They were really cynical about all these superhero jokes and talk. So they, why Pixar works is because they understand a global sense of writing and how to appeal to audiences in that mass sense, in, in that way. Um, yeah. But as I said, look, Inside Out, again, because I'm a big, big fan of neuroscience and all that stuff and learning about how the mind works, psychology and all that stuff, I think that's why Inside Out just hit me in the right place. It did a good job in that sense. Um, so, but, so that's why I give it such a high rating. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, we're going to wrap this podcast up for now. For the second one, we're actually going to go in-depth with uh, Terminator Genesis. But just in closing, in terms of Inside Out, uh, if you haven't seen it, I highly suggest you do in the big screen or, you know, if you want to, just wait till it comes on in small screen. But apart from it, you know, like everyone, like what Ricardo's been seeing, it's really a great movie. I would vouch for that. Um, I highly recommend you check it out as soon as possible. And yeah. Any last words? Yeah, no. Again, just go see it. It's awesome. I recommend it. It was really smart. Uh, you know, it's one of those great balance films where, you know, kids will love it, but adults could appreciate it. Because it had all the little sneaky little jokes they put in for adults. It was good. Little references, little stuff in the background. Little references, to, again, as I said, reference to art, reference to science, you know, a lot of stuff out there. So, yeah, um, now we'll what? Move on to uh, Terminator Genesis. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so shout out again to Island Bear Chill and Grill, established 2015. Um, there's a nice old place right on the IMAX. So let's come and just take in some little. Second floor. Yeah, Second just floor. come down at the bottom, right on the IMAX, and just taking a beer, you know, too. Yeah. Not mad. And yeah, it's where, a. Co- where, where can we contact you, uh, Right. If you want to send any heat comments on on your thoughts on on Toy Story, seeing you didn't like it, you know, where where can we find you on Facebook or Twitter where you can say, hey, get you, man. Right, so, so you could you could yell at me in all caps at uh, on Twitter at rmedi. Uh, you could catch me there. And then uh, just type Ricardo Medina. It's the most important Ricardo Medina you can find on Facebook. Uh, probably. There's a boxer somewhere. I'm sure. You don't count. But yeah, so you could contact me there. Any little private messages. And that's my, my social networking. And you, Michael, where can we contact you? Yeah, well, I'm all over the net. Um, but you'll find me under the name FastTrack. That's P-H-A-S-T-R-A-Q. Just because I like to be different. All right. Um, so you can find me on my website, fasttrackvfx.com, or you can find me on Facebook at fasttrackvfx.com, Twitter as well. It's a unique name. You can't miss it. Right. Well, you can find me. All right. Well, I have my, uh, my blog page. So that's uh, legallyblack.wordpress.com. Uh, you can find me also on Facebook at uh, illegallyblackblog. Um, if you have any comments about this podcast here, or if you want to check through any reviews that I've done before, you could just, you know, leave a comment or two. Well, that was a quick wrap-up for the list, this first tryout podcast. Um, good night, everyone. Good morning. Good day. Good evening. Or wherever, whenever you're listening to this. Whatever time. You're not probably listening to this live, I'm sure. Living. So, whenever. Um, and thank you. Tell me I'm wrong. Would I be forgiven? If I want to walk like you. Swinging it back when I want.
All right, so we just have a second run now. Uh, Matthew, just want to introduce this film we're going to be doing, a film we saw yesterday of this recording, a film called Terminator Genesis. And yeah, boy, we have opinions about this one. Yeah, I'm waiting in the yin yang. Um, we also have Michael Richards with us. Uh, Michael Richards, Matthew, uh, just quick introduction, Matthew as well, and then Michael. And then we'll start. And thing. I am Ricardo Medina. Ricardo Medina, you can contact me, quick contact. Uh, you could contact me on Twitter at rmedi on Twitter. And Ricardo Medina, probably the most Ricardo, important Ricardo Medina you'll find on Facebook. Um, you could contact there. And uh, Matthew, where can I contact you? Where can we contact you and, and meet you online? I have my own blog page. Uh, you could find it at legallyblack.wordpress.com. Uh, you could also search for the official Facebook page. Just type in Illegally Black Blog, and you should find it there. And Michael? Yeah, I'm Michael Richards. You can find me at fastrackvfx.com. That's P-H-A-S-T-R-A-Q-V-F-X.com. As well as on Facebook at fastrackvfx, and Twitter, you can find me as fastrack. All right. So, yeah. So, this is going to be doing a run-through of Terminator Genesis. But you have to start with this because yeah. I I need some steam to blow from this one. This one had a few problems to say the least. Uh, start with you. Uh, All right. So before my colleague Ricardo blows steam off of this movie, um, all right. As a personal fan of the the series, I mean, like I I, I love the first two movies. Um, Second movie, in my opinion, is honestly like the greatest action movie of all time, in my opinion. Even better than, than Die Hard, even better than Readers of the Lost Ark, you know? Um, it, it was just a revelation for me in terms of visual effects, in terms of cinematography, storytelling, direction. Acting, you know, I mean, the acting was, was possible for what it was. Um, I mean, it, it placed Arnold Schwarzenegger, the lead actor, in a, on a higher level than how he was in the first movie. So for those who were living under a rock for the past 21 years, um, the well, Terminator, the original one, was uh, a film that was uh, written and directed by James Cameron. Um, legendary, well, there's this whole legend that uh, it came to him one night well, I, while he was sleeping. He was trying to come up with an idea for a project. Uh, he had this nightmare of this, uh, this, this robot from the future actually coming to kill him. And, uh, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure if that's actually true or not, but the, the, the point is... Uh, he got the, the financial backing to make this film uh, through Orion Pictures. He got the help of special effects wizard Stan Winston, who's no longer with us, rest in peace. And he also casted uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who two years ago starred in uh, Conan and the Barbarian, which I honestly think is one of his best movies. The result was uh, an iconic film where we had, uh, well, basically a machine from the future came back in time to 1984 to uh, kill the character of Sarah Connor, which was played by Linda Hamilton. The idea being is that she would give birth to this military leader by the name of John Connor, who would eventually wipe out the machines who, at the, um, well, around the time of 2027, or, well, at least the decade before that, was basically set on just wiping out all of humanity. All right, so, so part two came out in 1991. Bigger cast, bigger budget, bigger crew, bigger everything. Everything was just literally pushed to the limit. And um, also what really made the film stand out for me, what, what really uh, was, was special, was that they took the same, the same antagonist of the first film and made him good. In this case, he was reprogrammed to, to protect Sarah, who grew up, and John, who was a, a 10-year-old kid who was played by Edward Fulong. Don't know if he's acting or not, but whatever. Um, 
and uh, machines from the future actually sent another um, Terminator back in time. He was the T-1000. He was played by uh, Robert Patrick. Iconic performance as well, too. And unlike the normal Terminator, which is just uh, human flesh on top of metal, this guy was liquid metal. And, uh, he, well, his hands, he basically used to turn into, like, blades. And he was just really, like, same focus on, like, um, how the first one was from before, which was just kill and, you know, just move on. Uh, all right, so that one basically was a masterpiece, in my opinion. Won a couple of Oscars, of course, for, for visual effects. And then it, the franchise practically just, I wouldn't say died, it just more or less just disappeared. And then suddenly, 2003, the third one came out. And I would honestly defend the movie. I actually think it's good for what it was. Uh, Michael and Ricardo will, uh, uh, you know, will disagree with me. And I mean, they, they will say why. But um, I actually liked what they tried to do with it. Um, it was somewhat a parody of the first two movies. They, they were aware that, you know, yes, we're doing the same things all over again. We're having Arnold come in and do the same stuff as before. But what was really interesting that they actually decided to bring in a female Terminator now, um, the TX. Uh, she was played by uh, Christina Loken. Yeah, Christana, right. I thought it was Christina, right. Christana Loken. And for the most part, she did her role. I mean, she did what the... the, the, um, the yeah, she did what the director asked. Uh, she did what the, the, the script required of her. Uh, it was directed by Jonathan Mostow. Um, it wasn't directed by um, James Cameron. I'm not sure if he had any involvement in it at the, at the time. Um, but, I mean, James Cameron was on a roll. I mean, he did, like, Titanic and other big-budget pictures. Um, well, all right, well, Terminator 3 was... Uh, he wrote it. Okay, so he, he, all right, he had one of the, the writers... Right, well, he credited as a writer. Okay, I'm not sure if 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 he if he likes the film now in retrospect, but you know that that that's his point of view. Well, the film received mixed reviews, but I I still liked what he did with it. Um, I also liked the conclusion. Well, spoiled it, which is that the the idea of Judgment Day, which was the, the machines became aware and actually launched missiles at Russia, and then Russia responded with um, more missiles back to the states, and it just caused this. Uh, Every, every, everything just, just practically got wiped out and then the machines finally took over and then war began um, instead of they, they, they more or less kind of pushed aside what happened in part 2 where they more or less stopped the, the judgment day from happening or in this case they delayed it so now in the end of part 3 we literally see you know um, well judgment day actually happen you know and from there okay I was thinking well okay Judgment Day happened, okay, is this going to be the end? Because to me, that would have been a pretty much good end for the trilogy, if they were going for a trilogy. Instead, in 2009, we got... Yeah. Instead, in 2009, we got Terminator Salvation. Um, and I wasn't that excited by it. I wasn't that hyped by it, to be honest. I mean, yeah, they had Christian Bale, and he was coming off of, you know, um, Batman Begins and Dark Knight, which were big movies to me. Yeah. All right, all right. Yeah. So no, right. So Matthew, we good run through of the film franchise. As again, for me, the first film is a sci-fi classic. Um, it's very well done. Um, nice high concept premise that works well. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, even though he's a terrible actor, he works perfectly as an unemotional, an unemotional robot. He fitted very well in this film. Um, love the first film, and and for its budget, a very low budget film. Yeah. Yeah. It's very low budget, but it works very well. I actually watched it just to, just to enjoy the franchise. I forgot how much I love this franchise. Um, how well paced this is. How, how well done it was. How that first film. Second film is a bit of a repeat of the first one. Mm. A little bit. 
but it, it, it's, it, you know, it's one of those things that you got the, the feeling that, uh, well, hey, we got a lot of cash now. What are we going to do with this? Yeah. And they, 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 they gave us a great film. Um, then the third film, which was, uh, for me, a colossal waste of time. Um, seriously, this, this third film was such a disappointment. It, little of it made sense. They repeated the second film in the worst ways. Um, Christiana Noken, she's supposed to be the unemotional one, but she, she doesn't hold a candle to Robert Patrick. And again, you get the sense that, you know, again, I don't understand these people with, with this franchise, and we'll talk about this with this film. The robot's supposed to be more advanced, but yet they will somehow. They're less efficient somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And she, oh, she, the only thing she, she had was, well, she could control cars and trucks now. Okay. Uh, I suppose that's useful. But uh, whatever. The, then the fourth film is a film I don't hate that much, frankly, compared to the third film. I, I actually... I, I, I yeah, no, but the fourth film is a film that was... It, the problem with it is that it was a baffling film from a marketing standpoint. Um, when I went into this film, again, because Christian Bale, playing John Connor, was... And he just came off of the, the Batman films. I think it was Dark Knight, actually. It was right yeah, before Dark this. Was like and Dark Knight was huge. Dark Knight was, you know, this, this blockbuster atomic bomb of a film yeah, for, for a lot of people in pop culture. It was like the Mount Everest of Yeah, yeah, it was... At the time, it was... Everybody was really blown away by the Dark Knight. I was really blown away, but... Well, uh, yeah, but... <laughs> right. No, but for me, for me, I really like The Dark Knight. It, people, he was coming off of something that was very successful. And so in your head, you were thinking, um, this film is going to be really good, and so and so, and blah, blah, blah. Utterly mediocre, but it was baffling from, from just an editing standpoint. And then you realize, wait, Sam Whittington is the star of this film, not um, yeah, Christian Bale. Christian Bale was the side character, and that confused the hell out of me um, watching that. It, it, the whole film, I was like, what, you know, why, why this, what, who, what, yeah. huh? And then on top of that, again, the same stupidity we've seen with um, Genesis. Oh, by the way, I'm just going to just put this out there. The marketing people for the Terminator franchise seriously need to be taken out back and shot in the head. I'm sorry. This is, this is ridiculous. These people constantly spoil these films. Now, again, with the original Terminator, they did that thing. In Terminator 2, they spoil the fact that Arnold is a good guy this time. Right? But as a kid, I don't know... And again, I'll say because it's a different um, landscape in terms of entertainment and um, in terms of access to, to um, promo materials and that kind of stuff, that wasn't a big deal. Because the probability of you seeing a trailer and, and just encountering a trailer, how many times you would see the trailer? The trailer was perfectly designed in such a way at the time for you to say, ah, cool, this is what's going on. Right? It's a, the, the idea of a spoiler and, and how the audience would remember something wasn't a big deal. But today, we live in the internet age. Sorry to say it. So you put out any little thing. You, people, you know, people nowadays will freeze frame stuff and pick up and... and sol- so, so this now just was just blatant. And it's a big problem in the age of, in the age of uh, Terminator 4 and um, Terminator 5. And yeah, so I just want to just dice the little history of it and raise some opinions. Of, and I'm just going to get into Michael of what he thinks about just the franchise and then we'll get into the actual film itself. Right. Um, I agree with some of what both of you all said, but I disagree with some of it as well. Um, now, I'm a huge fan of the Terminator franchise from Inception, right? Um, it's one of the films that inspired me to get into my profession as a visual effects artist, right? Um, and especially the second film. And for many reasons, it was a landmark film in terms of visual effects because that's the film where they basically perfected the effect from the abyss. And they brought it into a new way of storytelling where we actually saw a, a CG character being a main character in the film, right? Which wasn't really done before, 
You know, I mean, you have little bits and pieces here and there, but this film starred a CG character, right? I mean, Robert Patrick is a fantastic actor. He did justice to the role, but really is all about the fact that he was liquid metal, right? All the greatest shots of the film is that, right? So for many reasons, the second film stands as the pinnacle of the Terminator series. The pinnacle of many series, as a matter of fact, because I don't think any other sequel has ever had that such a great leap from the first film into the second film as Terminator 2 did. Right? Um, with Terminator 3, I don't know why that film was made. It, I, I guess from a marketing standpoint, they sat down and said, you know, what haven't we done yet? And it's like, oh, we could put a female Terminator. And that, that was the end of the discussion. Because there's no purpose whatsoever of that film in terms of the storytelling, in terms of new technology, in terms of doing anything to make me justify the money I spent to see it, right? So I, I, I prefer to believe the third film didn't happen. It was just a bad dream in an alternate timeline, yep. right? Um, Terminator 4 had its redeeming qualities. I personally did not like Christian Bale's performance in that. I felt he was still in the character of Batman for some reason, no, yeah, no, yeah, and, no, and it didn't work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, 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 yeah. Whole, whole movie, I, I was like, somebody getting him on a strep cells yeah, because yeah, yeah, yeah. why it's speaking like that? That it didn't make sense for this film for him to be like that. Apparently, a a Apparently right? Um, I personally didn't have an issue with the Sam Worthington character being the lead. I think it worked for what the film was. It it was a satisfying conclusion for me, right? But overall, it does not compare to the rest of the films in the franchise, and that that's to be expected. Right. Um, as for Terminator Genesis, I think they did a lot of smart things in this one in terms of bringing back some of the shots from the original and bringing back some of the same feeling from the original. And they actually pulled a, a X-Men Days of Future Past by going back and wiping out the third film. You know, it's like that never happened. There's an alternate timeline. So we're in a new playing field. And I, and I like that idea. Because this is the film that first started getting you into the whole crossing multiple timelines thing and stuff like that. Right? That said, the series has never been perfect. I have always had issues with certain parts of the science of Terminator. Right? Um, but I think they, they, they more or less rectified some of it in Terminator Genesis. Right? So we can move on. Yeah, um, all right. Well, I actually agree with both guys with regards to uh, to part four. I mean, it had a redeeming qualities. I like the idea of seeing how the, the future was. And the funny thing is, like, I actually looked at it a, a few days ago, and it's not the future that we've seen in the first three movies. It's actually a couple of years before. Um, we see John Connor. We see Kyle Reese, which is a guy that came in the first movie to save Sarah. And then actually impregnated her before he got killed. Yeah, that, that, that's a long story. But I don't know. There just really wasn't much going in terms of story. The, I find the characters were flat. It's just, I don't know. It's just they, they kind of relied a lot of, okay, this is John Connor. He's an important man. Just remember that. He's an important man. He's an important man. Cal Reese, he's an important man. He's an important man. But, you know, because there wasn't that much, of, much characterization to go with it, you didn't really get a sense of why, why they were important. I mean, even if you saw the, the first two movies, and it's like, okay, why should I care about Kristen Beale here? Why should I care about uh, the guy who plays... Um, yeah, no, Kyle Reese. And then, well, I would admit the, 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 the interesting character was Sam Woodington. I mean, um, but even him, they didn't really do much with him. But I liked how it was all set up where you saw the three characters, and then but as soon as they came together, it's like, where do we go from here? I know, let's just bring in a CG Arnold that looks similar to how he looked in the first one. And the audience will cheer and, you know, make noise, which is what he did. 
Yeah, but you know, like in retrospect, it's like, okay, um, what's happening here? Is this CG Arnold going to go to 1984? Did they, did they hint at it at all? What, what's at stake, really? There wasn't really anything at stake. It's just, okay, get this guy before the machines get at him. But yeah, that, that, so, so to me, that's why 4 is honestly the worst of the bunch. Um, which leads me to, to part five, which is Genesis or geniuses, as I as I call it. Um, I agree with with with, uh, with Michael. Um, I like the the visual homages to the first two movies. Uh, well, in case you didn't know, um, they more or less recreate shot for shot uh, moments from the first film. For example, when uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger comes in for the first time as the Terminator, when he meets up with the punks and there's this whole uh, fight with them. Um, but, it, but in this case, um, there's another Terminator in the film, which is also played by Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, the, o- the, the, the real one in this case, uh, a much older version. And he's actually there in time. Well, sorry, he's there actually waiting for the, for the first Terminator to show up. And then there's this really nice little fist fight scene between the two. Um, also, another thing that, or another drastic change that they made in this one is that uh, Sarah Connor, uh, in this case, played by Emilia Clarke, who you should know from uh, the Game of Thrones series. Uh, she's she's prepared. She's she's a badass this time. She's more resourceful. She could actually hold her own, and she's actually prepared when it comes to these Terminators showing up. And then they actually do something quite interesting, which is that uh, Kyle Reese shows up, and this time is played by Jai Courtney, uh, which is which for some reason doesn't. F- work in terms of casting. I'm, I'm not sure why he's there, but I'll, I'll let Ricardo get into that. Um, so there's a moment in the first movie, the very first movie, where as soon as Kyle Reese shows up, there's a cop that chases him. And in this movie here, um, Genesis, the cop turns out to be a T-1000. So he's similar to how uh, Robert Patrick's character was, where not only is he a liquid metal Terminator, but he also poses as his policeman. And that was really cool. Um, and I like the, the little moments, the little changes that they did there. And, you know, um, to me, I, I, I well, uh, quoting Ricardo here, it was fan service. It was really for the, the fans of the first two movies. And I, I was into it. But then, um, well, unfortunately, this was spoiled in the, in the second or third trailers for Genesis. Um, John Connor, well, the character of John Connor, who was played by uh, Jason Clark in the future shows back up in another time, which is uh, 2017, as this hybrid Terminator, ma- well, you know, well, a ma- half, hum- half human, half machine hybrid kind of thing. Cyborg, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to call him a cyborg, yeah, yeah. I really don't want to call him a cyborg, but anyway, yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, and then there's this whole little twist with him and him being part of Skynet now and wanting to take over the world and all that kind of stuff. And to me, I felt that if they hadn't spoiled it already in the trailer, that would have been a really brilliant twist. But because it was spoiled and, you know, I was thinking that the the, the film at least would have given us a bit more twist or at least a bit, you know what I mean, kind of threw us off a little bit in terms of what the story was going to be. But unfortunately, I don't know, it's just... They just kind of ran out of steam, and they just try to put more ideas on top of more ideas. And then it's like, okay, well, you still have to be familiar with what's going on with the first two. But, you know, at the point in time, it just becomes really convoluted, you know. And, yeah, at the, at the end of the day, I, I kind of felt it was a, a, a bit of a mess. I mean, it started off promising. I was in on it from the beginning in terms of, okay, seeing how the timeline was changed. But then it just started to get a little bit more confusing. And I felt that, you know, if, if they hadn't changed, if they hadn't revealed that whole twist... 
to begin with, and B, if they just try to make it less convoluted and try to make a lot more sense of this already weird convoluted story already about time travel, we would have had a better film. But uh, I'm going to let Ricardo, you know, continue this. Oh, yeah. Uh, all right. So I just want to mention something about Jai Courtney. You notice a pattern with him? So the last film had a mediocre Australian actor coming and messing up the franchise. This time, we have another mediocre Australian actor. He did it twice. On the fifth film of a loved franchise, what did he do to it? Die Hard. Which was complete, a complete waste of my time. My gosh, I hated Die Hard 5. No, yeah, easily what it was. And this one, my... Okay, so... Uh, here's the thing. Anybody ever watch the Saracona Chronicles? Yes, I did. Yes. I did, No, no. So the Saracona Chronicles is... It is a solid franchise. Not the, not the best. It, it have a little issues here or there. But it was solid. Um, it had a good cast. Uh, good acting and good storytelling. Uh, right, yeah. And we had right, Lena, right. Yeah, so... So, here's the thing. This, here's the sad part, and this is why this film pisses me off probably most out of the entire franchise, is that this one had the most potential. This one had so many good ideas in it, so many good premises in it, so many good concepts put forward in it that's relatively new to the franchise. And it works and fits very well within the franchise, right, these ideas. And they just squandered it. On this film. This could have easily been, uh, I think, tw- how many seasons are Connor Chronicles got? Two seasons, I think. I, I think it was two seasons. So this could have been a great third season to that franchise. Thank you. Yeah. They could have taken this. Yeah, they could have taken this and have it and just space out the point. One of the big problems with this film is the pacing. Because they had so many ideas and they just didn't know how to pace this ide- these ideas out well. A lot, a lot of it didn't make sense. It didn't have any emotional resonance for me. It didn't pace forward well for me. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, Oli, that's wasting this, though. No, no, this was an it's, it's, it's an incredible shame of this film. No. <sighs> Jai Courtney. Again, a bit of a bane to me because, again, he's just, he's just this, this, you know, generic white scowling bad, badass douche that have no emotion, no, no talent as an actor. And he just really, really didn't need to be here. They hadn't a place to record. Seriously, cast somebody else. Cast somebody else. Um, I just want to just yeah, I just want to get into a couple points about the film. And okay, so Terminator was let's admit it. In all, almost all storytelling, virtually every storytelling, I think with probably with the exception of the film Primer, um, time travel is next to impossible to make coherent. Sorry to see it. Nobody ever made time travel coherent in a storytelling, even since the first film. It always. No, Back to the Future was a mess too. Every, every one of them always had a problem with it. The one film that has ever gotten time travel right is Hot Tub Time Machine, ironically enough. Probably. I, uh, I don't know if you see the second one. I only saw the first one. What's the second one? Eh. The first one actually got it right. Got it yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. To me, it, it never really made sense, um, you know, how, did he, how he sent back his, his friend to be the father of him. Then Whatever, we didn't care. No one cares because still the first Terminator worked. And again, when you, when you, you do a good and you make a good film, one of the reasons why I Chris, like Christopher Nolan so much is that even though your stuff incoherent, when you actually think about it, a good film would not make you focus on that, right? And you could still defend the film even watching it over, yeah. right? This film, if you're picking up these problems uh, while watching the movie for the first time, that's a sad sign. Yeah. And this film, I had, this film, I had some serious. No, this film had some serious problems in that way. Again, poor pacing, poor editing. 
poor. Uh, well, the acting was just dry. I, I like Amelia Clark. She's nice da- dragon lady showing she tits ever so often on HBO. Great. Right? No, but that's yeah, but nice dragon woman. Like her. She did she just didn't work in this. The, the material she couldn't use the material well. Um I, and because this a lot of this stuff was like just a, a, a hobbled cobbled together mess that you could tell that it was like a whole season of a of a of a show put together in one film and they, they just they just squeeze everything together, nothing came across well for me. And I'm just gonna finish with just my well I'm just gonna think I'm just gonna tell Marie quick and then I'll get on to you. Uh no the it was just, it was sad in the sense of, um, I, I just had problems with respect to, now, the last film, it's sequel baited, right? This Terminator 4. They clearly designed it to be a new trilogy, which I would have liked to see. I would like to see that. I would like to see, well, what did the war would have played play out like? Or at least one interpretation or one branching timeline of yeah. the war play out like. I actually would like to see that. Yeah. Um, so I didn't mind when that sequel baited, but this one was the most lazy bullshit ever. And the only time you sequel, the only time you sequel bait is if you expect to get a sequel. And I really hope this film does poorly on, on in the box office. I, I, from what I understand, it's doing very badly. Um, I'm glad. Sorry, that this, I have the Schadenfreude for that. I, I just want this film to fail because this was some lazy bullshit. I am sorry, people. This film I had some serious problems with. So we it have a whole bunch of plot stuff in it that just paced poorly. I did not like this movie. Not because it was an intrinsically horrible film. I actually put it in quality-wise, roughly on the same, if as a simple single product, roughly three, three and four. Same domain. Not as bad as three. Three still is the worst. Yeah, but yeah, three is the Again, three was like, yeah, well, let us waste my time. Yeah. But this one is because of the fail, is the potential. It's like, it's like an abortion. It's like this, what it could have been. The utter tragedy of it in that sense. It's like, my gosh, well, let us waste this dread. They just waste a good chance with this movie. I am sorry. I ain't going to give my rating yet. I will let Michael speak. He's smiling at me. And he tell me, you have the sarcastic smile. You want to let me have it. So, right. Um, I, I disagree with a lot of what you just said. Um, going into this film, as actually I disagree with something you said earlier too about the trailer spoiling the film. Right? Um, going into this film, as a huge fan of the franchise, my expectations was really high when they announced it. Right? Then I started seeing trailers come out. And at first I was like, you know, maybe it will be good, maybe it will not be good. Because I was still feeling the effects of 3 and 4. Right? So I, I deliberately kept my expectations low. At the moment I saw that first trailer where they showed that John Connor was now a Terminator, my mind was blown. And here, here's why. Because that said to me that they were not afraid to try something new in the film. Which is what was one of the biggest problems with 3 and 4. I'm getting to my point, right? I'm just saying, that, that is when I really started to become excited about this film. So my, acti- my expectations rose again going into this film, and it was at the point where I personally just said, I have to see this in IMAX, right? I know you're probably not going to give it that rating, but that was how I felt when I saw that trailer. And honestly, going into the film, my expectations were high, but I think they actually surpassed my expectations in what could have been done with the story, right? I agree that there are certain elements that, it's all about the, the forthcoming sequels. But that's fine because I think there was enough put into the film to please both the fans and still tell a good story. As opposed to the previous films that was all about, let's see how much money we could grab and get out of it. Right? I think they actually took the time to try and write some of the wrongs of the storylines in the previous films. Right? And they, they did it in, in clever ways. Where they, okay, they, they, they basically know that a lot of the time travel science was wrong in the first two films. 
right? And there wasn't much you could do about it. And they came back and actually justified some of it with more pseudoscience. But at the same time, they, they did pay attention to it and didn't just ignore it like the, the last two films. Right, so like going back in time with the whole thing about the the liquid metal robot being able to go back in time never made sense in T two, right? It probably still doesn't make sense in this film, but at least they they try to address some of that, right? So on on that grounds, I think the writing was actually better than I expected it to be in terms of story, because having seen Terminator three and four, I was at a loss at what they could possibly come up with that would reinvigorate me to want to see the film, right? So I don't agree with you when you say it's, it's one of the worst films. Ever. It's not one of the worst films, right? From a story point, I'll give them credit for at least attempting to right some of the wrongs, right? How successful they, they were it may not be as successful as we would like, but considering they had three and four to deal with, I think they did a fantastic job. Right, so, okay, so my counterpoint to this is simple. Um, it's a spoiled brat counterpoint. What I mean by that? We live in an age of, you know, a kind of a golden age of television. We have an expected standard for storytelling. And I'll admit, Hollywood right now, especially when dealing with big sci-fi franchises like this, have a, a massive disadvantage. How are you going to tell a good story within two and a half hours? How are you going to tell a good story within three hours? Even three hours. And, that's, and they understand the marketing and the reality of, look, people are not going to sit down in a theater for three hours plus, unless you are a super nerd or whatever. It's one of the reasons why Avengers... Age Ultron was the way it was. Right? Slightly disappointing film because of a strange edit. Yeah. Um, simple things like that. And that's just a recent example. We've seen it. Time immemorial in Hollywood. So we live in a spoilback age where you need stories to spell out itself and pace itself out over a season. Again, this film had great ideas. If it was the third season of Sarah Connor Chronicles and it did this arc and fleshed out all of those ideas and paced it properly, it would have been awesome. It would have gotten rave reviews for me, I'd be um, going on my Netflix or, or my torrent if I'm lazy enough not give a shit, I don't feel to pay some 99 a month today, this wrongs torrent that, whatever I, I'd sit down and, and get the material out it, it was, it had good idea and that's, that's for me why it hurts so much it's because of the wasted potential that's, what I'm, that's the point I'm trying to make it had great ideas, they had Doctor Who in it, exactly. matridly awesome and it was a great you know, bring in because the, the idea of Skynet and Skynet's personality is never clear, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Terminator 4 had Skynet as this chick, and it was only because that's the girl the guy knows. Yeah. He met this doctor girl, um, oh God, I can't remember the character because the movie was so bland, and Sabo Nintendo was incredibly bland, yeah. right? But the point is that, um, they had a lot of they had great ideas of what this could have been now. Here's one of the big things about this. A simple example. In my head, when Terminator 1 and 2 played out, you get the sense that Skynet was super desperate. Right? Super desperate to get um, time travel. To, it's this time travel thing. In this movie, it was just casual. They just walk in. Okay. Mashing up, blah, blah, blah. I would have paced that. There's a simple example of how, like, let's say it was a season. Again, this is my Captain Hindsight moment here. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Captain Einstein moment here. How I'd have paced it is that you have, like say they're getting up to, to go to deal with Skynet. I'd have where Skynet just do a last desperate move of putting this mission in this one Terminator head. And that Terminator would have, like the whole of humanity was chasing this fucking thing down. And it, it, it this big desperate fight and then it gets to the time travel and, and win and get, get away. And then it's not that John Connor. Again, we, you can defend that by saying, well, this is a different timeline and John Connor knew blah, blah, blah. I don't like to see the original timeline of that. Of how desperate that tactic of Skynet was. Yeah. It didn't come across that desperate at all. Mm-hmm. It just John Connor just there waiting. Yeah. 
And he, he let it happen. Again, much like with... Um, oh, you know what's a movie that reminds me like this? Lazy Bullshit Sequel Baiting. Um, uh, what's the Alien movie? Not AVP. Not AVP. The shitty one Rid- Ridley Scott that came out 2012. That was, I want to wipe from my mind. I bleach my mind. Prometheus, Prometheus thank you. Lazy Bullshit Lazy, I'm sorry, lazy bullshit sequel baiting. I said unanswered questions, and well, you're gonna find out in two years. Like, no, I'm sorry, door design do not design unless you you have good material going, like say the Marvel Cinematic Universe, where I I like the product on its own, but you're giving stuff from it to wait on. Don't leave stuff unanswered. Do a couple things where I have to think about it, and it's like, wait, what happened to blah blah blah. And then don't do blatant shit like that. Like Who did that in this film? That's a problem. That is in itself a problem. That shit works for TV shows. Mm. Right? When are you going to find out, Ricardo? Next week. Great. Yeah. Not two years from now. Prometheus had that same problem. Prometheus had that exact same problem. I said that unanswered question. And then, and then you know, he's all these douchebags who come online who will tell you, oh, you know, well, they're they, they going to answer it in this. And don't worry, the, 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 the writers we know. And as if they're keeping this big secret from me, it's like, son, I won't care. I will stop caring. Good TV shows, good TV. And again, we live in an age where it's about the serialized binge watching TV shows that take over nowadays. We, we're in the age of Orange New Black and, and True Detective. And we're living in the age of. Uh, Game of Thrones and thing where you need serialized content and you need it now. I'm sorry, it is a spoiled bat argument. But it's no different from telling me, hey, how are you gonna get to school? Oxcart or with the taxi? Or with your own car. Sorry, I live in the modern age. This is this is some oxcart bullshit. Right? It is too slow. It is too lazy in that way. It is you need if you're telling a story, tell it. Tell a proper, complete story. Make me enjoy this. And then say, all right, we're going to build from this in a smart way if you want a proper sequel. Again, I am actively rooting for this to fail financially because I do not want the same minds getting any more money and wasting it on this material. I am sorry. I cannot defend this movie in any real way. As a film, it does not work. No, I'm sorry. It does not work. Matthew... Square this, because, dude, I had serious problems with this. By the way, my rating is a very low CC8. Go CC8 on a Tuesday. <laughs> how much is, is CC8 on a Tuesday? $20? $20, 25 Whatever. It's cheaper than the normal tickets. Go CC8 where they're kind of half drunk. Oh, by the way, take a beer too. Get a little drunk. And speaking of that, Island Bear, you can take a beer. By the way, yeah, no, just enjoy yourself. Um... And you, look, the movie, not, again, not intrinsically bad or anything. Like, you'll enjoy yourself. But at the end, for people like me, nerds like me who just nitpicky bullshitters like me, like, I don't admit it, I don't, they die that I nitpick it. But, dude, I need a standard. I need a standard of good storytelling, and this did not fulfill this criteria. It's, it's a shame to see such good ideas squandered this way. Um, it's just the pacing of everything. That's the problem. Everything just two hours, and we're going to answer it in two movies or whatever. And it's just leaving things open. I have a problem with that. I have a serious problem with that. Low CC8, by the way. So, Matthew, just finish this off first. <clears throat> Alright, so I agree with Ricardo in terms of the film's pacing. It is very, very, very fast. I mean, like, for example, the, the moment where we see, you know, with John Connor returning to, you know, as his Terminator. And then, as soon as, it, as soon as that's revealed, then, you know, it's just action piece after action piece over and over and over, right? Um, and you know, like I was, I was, I was hearing Ricardo saying what you were saying about um, peace, and I was thinking about the second movie, where yes, you had an action sequence, but then after that, they would take like about five, 
10 minutes, you know, um, to let the story develop, you know, to let characters breathe, interact, you know, talk. And then from there, you understand, you know, motivations of the characters, you understand the story from a bigger perspective. This one is like, okay, when you're trying to understand what's going on, like, okay, the reveal is that John Connor's a Terminator. Big whoop, okay. And then there's some other action set piece takes place and then something else happens and then they have to go for guns and then more things happen, you know? There's not enough time for the story to breed. Um, one, one, big thing, one big thing that was revealed, unfortunately, and I was kind of hoping that the film would have done it, but unfortunately, he just kind of forgot it, is where exactly this old or new Terminator came from, the, the Arnold Schwarzenegger character. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, it's... it's, it's no, no, no. You see, you see things in the film. Um, Sarah said that that this new Terminator came for her when she was a little girl. But, you know, the issue is where did it come from? Did Skynet send her? Did somebody from that future reprogram this Terminator to come and save her? And if so, why you come for her when she was young? You know, I mean, from the first two movies, it's been implied that, you know, it came for her when she was at a certain age, when she was at a certain maturity. But why when she was a little girl? It's never revealed. At first I thought, okay, maybe John did it. Maybe it was some kind of trap in the law, um, some trap that will be revealed in the end. But no, it's not. Um, another thing that, that, that was a disappointment for me was the action piece, um, set pieces themselves. I mean, the second movie... Uh, there were just so much great action sequences. Uh, one, for example, the um, the oil tanker sequence. You know that was that's probably one of the best car chase sequences ever put to film. In this one, you have a car chase. Well, I shouldn't say a car chase. Um, yeah, so there's a school bus, and <laughs> yeah, there, 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 there's, there's a school bus, and uh, Sarah's in it, and um, Kyle is in it, and Arnold is in it. And then John is chasing after them in a bike, and then the the, um, the bus flips over, and wow! I mean, you've seen it in the trailer, you know, big whoop. Okay, but I mean, it doesn't stand out to me. Like even when I'm talking about it right now, I'm 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 just like barely remembering. I'm trying to 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 like remember what happened and what was the big deal. But it's like it just happened. It just came and went, you know. Um, and then also too, there was a, there was a whole issue with the editing as well too. Um, just the way how it was paced, just the way how the action sequences themselves were paced. It just felt and looked like your average big-budget action sci-fi movie. There wasn't anything that really stood out, like what really made it different, you know? Like even in Dark Knight, for example, I mean, I'm not, not comparing Dark Knight to Terminator, of course, but, you know, Dark Knight, that sequence where, um, you know, uh, Joker is in his truck and then, you know, um, Batman is in his car trying to chase after him. That was a, a brilliant, that was a well-paced, well-shot action sequence. This one uh, with, the, with the bus I just mentioned, it just felt like, you know, you've seen these pieces before. It's just there to be like, oh, wow, there's a bus flipping in the air. Wow. And that's it. You forget about it, you know. And, yeah, I mean, I have no problem with, with the film having a lot of action. I mean, you, you, you can't expect that now in these, in these modern action movies. But, you know, there's, there's not enough moments for you to kind of sit down and be like, Okay, let me catch my breath. Let me just let me let me drink some 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 salt drink here. Let me try to understand the story. Let me let me really get the motivation of the characters. Like you know, yes, action is great, but if you don't care about the characters in the action piece, then it's just it's just you know it's just visual candy. It's just there just for the sake of being there. It doesn't really add any emotional weight to it. And yes, there's this whole thing about okay, yes, uh, we have to save the world from Skynet, but 
I mean, in the first two movies, especially in the second movie, you got the really, you got the emotional sense of why, why was this so important? Why, sh- why you should care about these characters? When this one is just like, all right, yeah, Arnold's doing his thing, Sarah's doing her thing, Cal's doing his thing. Okay, John's a Terminator. He's kind of doing his thing. He's the antagonist now, but you don't really care. You don't really, you don't really give a shit at the end of the day. Um, so, uh, in case I don't come back to it, my rating is for me is a two and a half out of five. See it if you really have to. Um, if you're a Terminator fan, if you like it for the action, or whether you just like mindless action, you will enjoy it for what it is. But if you're looking for intelligent storytelling, which, especially like in the second one, you're supposed to get from a Terminator movie. That's what really put Terminator 2 in that pinnacle, you know? But you don't get in that, unfortunately. They try a lot. I like the, the homages to the original two movies, and I like how they, they fixed the third and fourth ones. Like, you know, the third and fourth didn't exist anymore. But still, you cannot come into a Terminator movie expecting a level of intensity and intelligence. And unfortunately, you don't get that. It's just, you know, a, a PG-13 summer movie. It is what it is, you know. So if you go into that, then you'll have fun. But if you're expecting more, I'm sorry, you're not going to get any more. So, yeah. I'll, I'll, but anyway, I'll, I'll put you on the Michael. He has his words to say. Yeah, that, that was a lot to take in, and I don't agree with most of it. Um, but I'll explain why, right? Um, First of all, you were talking about the, um, the importance of the characters, um, Sarah Connor and, and um, Kyle Reese. And I agree they're not as important in this story, but I don't think at this point they need to be, right? Um, we are not looking at Terminator Genesis as an isolated film. It's not the first in the franchise. It has to be taken for what it is, which is the new T3, right? Okay. Which is what it is. <laughs> no, understand what I'm saying? It erases three and four, so it's the sequel to Terminator Two. Let's not even talk about Jurassic World. I have my own thoughts on that. But anyway, but anyway, right? Um, if you look at it in the context of continuing the story from where Terminator Two left off, I think. A lot of the things you're talking about in terms of developing the characters and stuff becomes largely irrelevant because we know these characters. They have been around since 84. We know these characters. We know their motivation. And all we really need to see is how they have changed, which is what the show does. And it doesn't have to spend a lot of time explaining that to you because it's pretty simple. We know Sarah Connor is the mother of John Connor. We know the Terminator was sent back to kill her. Actually, in this film, they even did say that the Skynet sent back a Terminator earlier when she was young. And that is why Guardian came and defended her, and that's why he met her when she was a child. The only thing they didn't say was who programmed him, and they also explained that. She said they didn't want any of them to know, because then Skynet would know. Right? So, but no, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, from a storytelling point of view, it's not like it wasn't addressed. It's not that they wait until the sequel to explain that, right? They, they don't have to explain it. It's not really necessary to the story to explain it, right? So I'm, I'm fine with Stuff like that not being expressly written out in the storyline. And in terms of the action sequences, we live in a world of Fast and Furious, right? Action is the new storytelling. You can't expect them to slow down every now and again to just give you pure story because audiences today tend to get bored with that a lot faster than they did back in the 80s, right? So to a certain extent, you have to expect them to put in a lot more action into their sequences. And in a lot of ways, I think they were smart in the way they did it because 
a lot of the action sequences reference either the first and second films or other action sequences from other films that were big, right? Like that bus sequence you're talking about, the early part of that bus sequence re- reminded me of Speed, yeah, right? Of, of, of right. The flip over of the bus and hanging off the edge reminded me of um, Final Destination, right? Oh, yeah. There are references to other great films within this film, right? As particularly from a visual standpoint. It's not just the Terminator franchise that they borrowed from. And I'm fine with that, right? Because again, in this modern age where people see, have seen all these films and they have certain expectations for, for action, you actually cannot stop the action midway to give too much of a story because then people find that the story is slow and whatnot and they want you to get back to the action. So I think it was... No, but I think it was creative in the type of shots that they used for the action sequences that reference existing films. So it became easier for the audience to just accept them as what they are in the context of this story, right? That, that's how I felt. You, you don't have to agree. I'm just saying, right? I'll, I'll, I'll read it shortly, right? Um, you made me forget the other point I was now going to read. Oh, right, yeah. Um, in terms of what they did with the, the new characters, um, John Connor turned into a robot and whatnot, yeah. I think that, that that was fantastic in terms of, you know, again, adding something new to the story, right? Um, showing Skynet in a different way, showing how Skynet was created in this alternate timeline. Because that's another thing we keep forgetting. It's an alternate timeline. Things do not need to happen exactly the same way as they did in the previous two films, right? So, I, I mean, even I think they rebooted even the whole idea of... Um, of John Connor being the, the leader of the, the, um, the resistance, and they switched him with Kyle Reese because Sarah Connor now inspired Kyle Reese from an earlier age. So the story can go in multiple directions now, and I think that's fantastic in terms of the way they wrote it, where you can enjoy this film for the references to previous films, but still see all the potential of future films to come if they do make a sequel. Right? Even if, they, even if they don't make a sequel, I, I was satisfied with this. Right? Um, now, in terms of rating, I would give this film probably a 4.8 out of 5. It's not perfect, but I think going in, it gave me more than I had expected, and my expectations were pretty high. Right? Arguably, much better than Avengers Age of Ultron. And I, I actually did say on Facebook that Skynet and John Connor is a better Ultron than Ultron was. Right, much better in terms of even the, the simple things like the fight sequences between Arnold Schwarzenegger and, and John Connor in the end. He used his abilities in a creative way and it was visually stimulating, but it made sense as opposed to the way Ultron would have been fighting the Avengers. Right, so I mean, yes, you all could knock it for the pacing and the editing or whatever, but I think there's a lot of good stuff that was done in this film that we cannot ignore. And for what it is, it's not a standalone film. Right? It is, it's not necessarily even the first in, in the new trilogy, but what I think it is, it is the, the, ref, the removal of the missteps that were three and four. And that's, that's all I think it is, and that's all it needs to be. And if people appreciate that and we get a new trilogy out of it, then great, because I think there's tremendous potential for where it can go from here. Right? Yes, uh, boy. Yeah. All right, all right. <laughs> uh, no, okay. So, no, yeah, as I say, I, I, agree, I agree with you in the sense that it had a lot of great stuff in it. Um, as I said, but it, to me, it was more wrong format. 
that's really what it boils down to, in my opinion. Um, seriously, this this really felt like, you know, uh, uh, taking a bike on the bus route, yeah. you know, where you could take the maxi. You know, sorry, it's just a, a very, very poor way, very, very poor way to address how to deal with this material, how to really write it, and you get a really bad filter of great ideas into a poor format. That's how this entire project came across, like me, for me. So that's just my thing. Um, yeah, so I think we could wrap up with that one. Um, yeah, just, well, once again, we'll just like to thank Island Beer, Chill and Grill, awesome place, nice little spot, and have a beer after. Um, and again, I recommend coming to the place, take a little lime right on the IMAX, you know, for adults, of course, but yeah. it's there. Um, yeah, Matthew, once again, where can I, where can we on the internet contact you? We'll do it once again on the show. Um, All right, I have my own blog page, sorry, blog page at uh, Legally Black, yeah, blah, 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 at legallyblack.wordpress.com. Uh, you could check, you could uh, see my previous reviews as well too. I'm also, um, we'll also be posting the podcast as well. Um, also too, you could uh, actually search for the page too on, on Facebook. Uh, just type a Legally Black blog um, fan page. It's right there. So if you have any comments on the, on the actual film, because I'd like to hear what you thought about it. Um, if you liked it or you hated it or whatever, just drop a comment. Let me know what you think. You could get me on Twitter at rmedi. Um, you could also get me on Facebook. Just type in Ricardo Medina. It is the 47th most important Ricardo Medina on the planet. But yeah, you'll probably catch me. You'll see him in this ridiculously tacky peach suit. Um, it's my intention. And yeah, you could contact me and then yell at, yell at me in all caps on the internet about this. Um, about my opinions and my negativity. Um, yeah, um, Michael, where can we contact you? You can reach me on my website, um, fasttrackvfx.com. That's P-H-A-S-T-R-A-Q-V-F-X.com. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, pretty much every other social network. Just search for Fast Track. It's a very unique name. And we could get together and form a posse to beat these two guys who have ridiculous opinions about this movie. Uh, yeah, that's so we're just going to a quick wrap up of the podcast here. Uh, you know, good evening, good night, good morning, whenever you're listening to this Um just, you know, thanks for everything. Um, we'll be following up with the next set of films. We have a couple of films coming up. There is Ant-Man, yes. um, which is the wrapping up of the second phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is I am very excited for. Hopefully, it will be not as drab and downtrodden as Age Ultron was. Um, but uh, I really expect this one to be... I'm really excited for this one, um, frankly. Um, you know, for a character who is, what, a third-tier, fourth-tier Marvel character. How, how low is he on the, on the roster of Marvel rank? He's pretty low. I mean, do it, and it is interesting to see that that narrative play out of people really excited over Ant Man, like you know. I, again, you just you just fast, just just rewind the clock, you know, back to two thousand seven, and you know, you know, people will be really talking about excited about Ant Man film. I'd be like, what? They make an Ant Man movie, you know? That that attitude. That, yeah, no, but seriously, um, this is the next one. Hopefully, we'll be doing. Um, Matthew and I will be coming to IMAX to see it, um, and I'm yeah, we'll right, and I'll, we have Michael as well. Hopefully. Yeah, no, we'll just take, uh, we'll deal with that, and yeah, so, uh, any last words, Matthew, any last words, Michael? No? Cool. Yeah, goodbye, thanks for everyone, thank you for listening, everyone, and that's it. Later. Peace.